Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Bone in the Post-Truth-Apocalypse. I'm Ben and as always I'm joined by Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. This week we're going to hang out and we're going to talk about freaks. The kind who are in freak shows. Not just random people we see about every day. <laughs> That'd be a bit mean. It would. And I would say that, you know, disclaimer, we are not laughing at this person's physical deformities. If we laugh at all, I think it's mainly going to be shock. Yeah. And awe. My final thought at the very start of this is that these people who did this, they made a lot of money out of their quirk, let's say. Yeah, but it still doesn't make it right, does it? No, but they weren't forced to do it. They weren't forced to do it. Half of them were probably pimped out, weren't they, in, in that sort of sense. It's like <laughs> P.T. Barnum's travelling eccentricities show. I mean, they signed big money with him. They signed contracts. They were paid. Hmm. Someone's still taking a slice though, aren't they? They've yeah. still been exploited. That's it. That was exactly what I was looking mm. for. Right, I just want to point out that one of them we'll get to later. I, I can't remember which one it was. He was on eighty dollars a week in eighteen sixty. That equates to eleven hundred quid a week today. Ching. That's a pretty good wage. You're just standing there letting people look at you. Maybe yeah, do a bit they of a show. They probably did have better lives than they would have done otherwise. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But obviously, in an ideal world, they would still get equal treatment everyone else wouldn't they and they wouldn't need to be put on show and laughed at just to make money I don't know if people laugh point and laugh I think it's more of a like a ooh ah kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> sorry I don't know anyway let's talk about some of these the most famous we've got quite a few to go through I think but before that we'll just thank some new return listeners Dublin in Ireland Dallas Texas Farnborough in the United Kingdom, Zedged in Hungary, that's a new one, Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam, Frankfurt in Germany, Hillerup in Denmark, that's new, get a few German listeners coming in, Nul Ulm in Germany, Rivers Canada, Sheffield in the United Kingdom, Brawley California, Wandsworth in the UK, Telford, our hometown creeping in there, Cairo in Egypt, Shrewsbury in the United Kingdom, wow, that's in Shrewsbury for a while, they're the yeah. town next to us, bunch of posh wankers. <laughs> <laughs> Think they're better than us in Telford. Think they're better than us in Telford, do they? Uh-huh. No, they're all lovely, and Shrewsbury's a great place to go out for a night. Beautiful city as well. It is, Med- medieval town, yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Good place to go for a beer or two. It's got, it's got a few cunts that say Shrewsbury. Yes, <laughs> Shrewsbury. It's not even a W in it for me. And you can even go to the game meadow. The new meadow, now. Yeah. Prague, Czech Republic, Madrid, Spain. Oh, um, Papit in French Polynesia. That's a brand new one. Wow. Someone's been gobbling it up in French Polynesia. Tidy. Yeah, and Guadalajara in Spain. Thank you very much for listening. It's all very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you. Keep listening, tell a friend. Tell several friends. Yep. All right, let's go through some of these... uh, Ladies and gents, I think this one's a bit unfair. I just think she's like a big woman. Hannah Perkins, the fat lady. Yeah, there's nothing like freakish about that, is it? No, but she's over six feet tall and weighing seven hundred and fourteen pounds. Is that was that big for the day? I think that was for a woman back in eighteen. Uh, she was born in eighteen thirty-six. That's big. Yeah. There's not many women who are over six foot tall at that point, and being as broad across the shoulder as her. Did she sing? No. <laughs> she was just. She was just really big. Uh, Another fat close lady. Close the light. Close the night. Yeah. What's well, she was naturally large rather than just being fattened up like most of her contemporaries. Yeah. What I love is that she married the circus thin man. Ha <laughs> ha. So Did she you say opposites attract. Yeah. yeah. They, had a, they, had a, they fell in love, they married, they had a daughter, and in the show she'd cradle him like a child. <laughs> Even alleged to have carried him to safety when a fire broke out at Barnum's New York Theatre. She's a good one, isn't she? She is. Sadly, it came to a premature end, uh, and she died in 1889. She fell off the stage, she caused an infection, and died. Oh, shit. Cool. Her husband and daughter moved to Kansas and they settled into a quiet life away from the public glare. So they, I imagine they made a fair bit of money. Retired comfortably. Yeah. Who wants to do the Siamese, Siamese twins? Well, Chang and Eng Bunker. Yeah. Born in modern day Thailand in 1811, Chang and Eng were Siamese Americans. Since they were also the first high profile conjoined twins, the term Siamese twins becomes a synony- synonym, synonym for the medical condition. 
They worked in show business from an early age, mainly in European American freak shows, though they also managed to overcome their disabilities and wider prejudices, including some obvious racism, to live full lives outside the human curiosities. These guys have a great tale. They really do, considering that they literally joined the fucking hip. They just seem to get on. Chang and Eng arrived in America in 1829. When they were 21, they decided to part with their manager and go it alone. The 1830s saw them tour extensively across Europe, though by 1836, they had made enough money to travel simply as tourists. Six years loaded. Yeah. Is tourists now? Please? Yeah. They married local girls and fathered children, dividing the week between the different family homes. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going no. to see with your family, Tuesday, you know, the weekends are holiday, how's that? Well, we'll, we'll get together the weekends. Yeah, my missus does a better Sunday lunch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they bought land, even slaves. Okay, that's not so good. No, but it was... It was the time. It was of the time and... And looked set to live out their lives as country gentlemen. However, the cost of raising large families forced them to return to touring. Do you think they both fucked at the same time? Like, next to each other? <laughs> or do you think one just had to try and sleep? Well, It'd be not, awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming the conjoined twin would get, you know, some sort of feeling of euphoria as well, wouldn't they? Uh, possibly. I think they both had separate genitals, though. They were only... I think they only shared a, a liver. Ah. Well, they, they, they were obviously had like a you know chat about it. Look, I'll be whacking one off when you do your <laughs> In the fall of eighteen sixty, they agreed to sign with P.T. Barnum. The man, as soon as this goes, the big boy in, in the trade. Yeah, but he was a bit exploitative, wasn't he? He was, but they still earned a small fortune. Yeah. Yeah, they performed in front of the Prince of Wales. Damn it. Yeah. And they made it to 62. It's not bad. That's really good, isn't it? 62. For, for the, well, one for the for the day. You know, life expectancy was a lot lower, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, and you'd think sharing organs, they'd, they wouldn't have lived as long, would you? No, no. But I, suppose, I suppose if you think about it, they had a, a, a pretty, uh, not a bad life, really, did they? I mean, six years, you know, all they're doing is standing there, letting people look at them. Maybe they do a little song and dance. Do you think they have to take their top off and show the conjoined bit? Yeah, probably. I'd have thought so. Do you think they both had a belly button? Good question. Possibly. Mm. Go on, Claire, you can have um, Prince Randy and the human torso. Prince Randy and the human torso. Prince Randy and the human torso. Unsurprisingly, the man who would go on to find his fame as Prince Randy was not born into royalty. In fact, he was born to slave parents in what was then British Ghana in the Caribbean in the year 1871. He was born with, what's that? Tetraamelia syndrome. Meaning he had no arms or legs, but this didn't stop him from becoming rich and famous. Though he did it with help of P.T. Barnum again. He's uh, cropping yeah. up all over the shop, isn't he? He was the entrepreneur with this. He realised that people will come and pay a couple of cents yeah. to come and, come and have a gander. Yeah. And it all adds up. Yeah. Yeah. So legend has it that Barnum learned about the limbless young man in 1899, the same year he had arranged his passage to the United States. Age 18... He became a star of Barnum's show, including the one that ran on the Corny Island. Coney Island. Coney Island. Big, big carnival on Coney Island. It was like the like the waterfront kind of thing. The yeah. promenade, big carnival. And it's where the Warriors are based. In the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> well, in 1899, it was quite the place to go. Not went so much for the Warriors. It was all very run down and a bit shitty. Hmm. So, named Prince Randian and given an exotic backstory, he would also tour with Barnum's Travelling Circus and was, in fact, in show business for an incredible 45 wow. years. That's good, isn't it? He can roll a cigarette with his mouth. Can he? Yeah, and light it. Yes, he can. It's impressive. God. 
Just bare my eyelashes off. <laughs> I didn't get Rizzle stuck up, up, up my teeth. What I love is how they give them like this elaborate backstory. It's like pro wrestling. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like, nah, nah, yeah. your name's Hulk Hogan now and you're from Venice Beach, California. You're Most of that was lies, wasn't it, what you said about them, about their backstory. Well, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, you create a persona. You, it, you yeah. can't just have, here's some slave from British Ghanaia. <laughs> can you? You ask Prince Randy, and he's Ghanaian royalty. He was, look at him. You know, give him a fucking credit. All of a sudden, he's more interesting. People yeah. don't want to go and pay a bit more, don't they? Yeah. They also watched him um, paint and write using his mouth. Away from the circus, he married and even fathered three daughters and a son. So he could even get it on, good lad. He made it home for his family in an upscale part of uh, New York and carried on working into his 60s. Crikey. And then he uh, died of a heart attack in 1963. And he was in the film Freaks? Was he it? was, yeah. Did his little cigarette trick in it. Yeah. Never. Myrtle Corbin, the four-legged woman, I'm presuming she's no relation to Jeremy. Oh, is he spelled differently? Spelled I think Corbin uses yeah. below Y, hasn't he? Yeah. Born in Lincoln County, Tennessee in 1868. All accounts, she was a normal child except for the small thing. Um, she was born with two pelvises, which meant she had four legs. Cool. The two inner legs were smaller and weaker, however, and she couldn't walk on them. After her school days were over, she turned to show business and joined her first circus at the age of 13. And P.T. Barnum didn't need to come up with an original name for Myrtle, she already had one. She already referred to herself as the four-legged girl from Texas, so he just tweaked it and said she's a four-legged woman. Yep. Since several of the shows uh, and promoters had similar acts, Barnum presented Myrtle as unique and genuine. Doctors were invited to examine her as part of the performance, and Myrtle will be asked to wiggle all four of her legs upon request. We've got to show she's not just packing a couple of dummy legs. Yeah. And you can't really ask her to get a crotch out, can you? It's <laughs> a crotch is. A crotch is. Yeah. Out. That's a step too far, isn't it? At the height of her popularity, though, he was paying her $450 a week, which would have been a fortune back then. Yeah. Yeah. Alongside of her professional success, she also got married and, to the astonishment of the doctors, started a family. Cool. Yeah. Would which pelvis it come out of? You see, this is what concerns me. It came out of both. Some came out of the one, the little one, and some came out of the normal one, apparently. No way, was well, yeah. it a C-section for the... I don't know. But which one's he banging? <laughs> because that's like a... One of them's pretty much like a child's... Well, it is a bit, isn't it? I mean, come to think of it, it's a bit creepy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Look on Claire's face, there's an awe. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see that view, but Claire's just in stunned <laughs> with mouth agape. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't considered that. But she's of consented age, so it's all. She's all woman. I guess you're right. She's, she's a whole lot of woman. Just her legs, her legs don't have a say in this because they're attached to her and she's of the age of consent, isn't she? And they're open. And then they're open. <laughs> Are the legs technically hers? Or they the, the conjoined twin. It's an unborn conjoined twin, yeah. so... If she can wiggle them, they're, they're now hers. Or they're not. Valid point, if yeah, she's got yeah, control yeah. over them. Yeah, I'm with you. Because some conjoined twins, they can't really move it, and it is just like parasitic, isn't it? But if you can, if it, you know, mm. it's wiggling. It's a shame that women's football wasn't popular back in them days. Well, she's a great goalkeeper, <laughs> wouldn't she? I mean, she couldn't do much with the two extra legs, but they get in the way. No Megan, no not Megan. Her. <laughs> not not Megan. No. <laughs> you know. Surprised she didn't train them legs up so she could walk. Well, I think they sort of dangled about halfway between her legs. Yeah, they weren't like full length. Still, <laughs> it, is, it is a bit. Isn't it? I mean, I'm just trying to imagine how she went for a pee or whatever and all sorts. <laughs> We can't have either, I think. Well, back then, Claire, she just probably hitched her skirts and squatted somewhere, wouldn't she? No, I, I, was, I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it would have been, oh, then again, it's P.T. Barnum's, you know, they've got toilets, I'm sure. When was the toilet invented? When did Thomas Crapper invent the indoor <laughs> toilet? <laughs> he did as well, didn't he? He did, that's yeah. the best of it. 
I don't know, but I, I'm guessing when well, when was this? 19, she died in 1928, so she she'd have had plumbing plumbed facilities by then, I'm sure. She'd have had to have a special toilet. They'd have to make it bigger, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to do the lion-faced boy? Yeah, Stephen Bibrovsky, the lion-faced boy. Lionel, the lion-faced mm. boy. Because nothing says lion like calling him Lionel. <laughs> Could have called him Leonidas, that would have been better. He looks just like Chewbacca, doesn't he? He does. It's it's tragic, but he does, yeah. Is it, was it Stefan? I think it might be Stefan. Stefan then, yeah. Stefan Brubowski. Stefan was born in Poland in 1891. He suffered from hypertrichosis from birth, meaning thick hairs covered every part of his body with the exception of the palms of his hands and soles of his feet. By the age of four, he'd been discovered by the circus. A German chauvin called Herr Sedlmeier took him to Germany and exhibited him. But Sedlmeier also paid for Stefan's private education. That's not so bad. I mean, yes, it's child labour, but yeah, you're still... He's abducted him from the, pa the parents. I four. bet the parents sold him. Do you think? Yeah. Because he's like, but at least the guy's educating him. That's something... Oh, they're like, look, you know, he's getting tormented in in this town or village, wherever you're living. I can take him, give him a private education. You'd have a better life. Yeah. Better standard of life. I mean, you're charging all these guys like a, a shilling a, a shilling a gander, and I can, I can get five for that. Yeah, he's partly being exploited, isn't he? He is being you know, exploited. He's, get, he's, get, he's getting an education, though. He can, you know, could have been a lot worse. It could have been. Yeah. The pair stayed in Germany until 1902 when they went to America and signed up with Barnum. To add to the act, Barnum made up a fabulous story for his new act, who he called Lionel. According to this, Lionel's mother was pregnant with him when she witnessed her husband attacked and killed by a lion. <laughs> this affected the unborn child and he was born with feline features. <laughs> Talk about gullible. Well, I didn't think The Undertaker was actually from Death Valley and was dead. It's just a backstory, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's realistic. What, the guy a dead take, man wrestling? You know, what happens if, like, you, just as your mum was about to give birth, your dad was a, <laughs> was attacked by a, a bear? Then I'd be called Bjorn the Bear Fucker, wouldn't I? Instead of... <laughs> you wouldn't be quite looking like a bear, What if you? I did and I hunted bears to avenge my father? <laughs> well, back then, you know, they just they'd believe anything, wouldn't they? Yeah, what year was it? Uh, this is like 1902. Mm. Yeah, so we've had the um, origin of species at this point. Yeah, but how many people have read that? It was a bestseller, wasn't it? Yeah, but your average factory worker's not reading the origin of the species, is he? No, but they're not paying to go to this. Of course he is, this is a family day out. This is a few pennies to I get in. More middle class, maybe. I don't nah, know. this is one of the... No, you want the masses in for this, because you're not going to be yeah, charging suppose, a few yeah. penny a look, but... Few thousand people in a day. So you rotate yeah. them through the carnival and you know, you keep a show going, don't you? That's why Barnum's got so many in his stable as it is. Yeah, my point is it's a ridiculous backstory. Well yeah, it is, yeah. but no more ridiculous than the Undertaker actually being dead. He used to growl and snarl on stage. And was presented as wild. Even though he was actually a gentle, multilingual and a thoughtful song. Uh, Stefan left his circus in 1907, returned to Germany, but came back to work on Coney Island in the 1920s. He died in natural causes in 32. Hmm. William Henry Johnson, uh, Zip the Pinhead. Yeah, aka Zip the Pinhead. Okay, so he was born into poverty in New Jersey in 1857. His parents were both former slaves and they were struggling to raise six children on a meagre income. So when young William started growing but his head remained the same size, they uh, sensed an opportunity. They agreed that their son could join a circus and receive a portion of the money. At first he appeared in the local Van Embro's Circus but then the owner smelt a profit and he too um, was sold to Barnum again. Mm. Bit odd doing it like, hey, you seen our William's head? He's six foot tall, but his head's like a ten-year-old. Sell him to the circus. You think we could sell him to the circus? <laughs> no. We need a fucking doctor to help me here. Well, I'm just, you know, 
I've got five other kids to feed. At least he's getting fed. He's earning. So Barnum named William uh, Zip the Pinhead. He made up another incredible backstory. He would tell the crowd that Zip was from a remote part of South America and that he was the sole surviving member of an Amazonian tribe. (laughs) (laughs) What's more, he would make a dramatic entrance, uh, rattling the bars of a cage he was trapped in. The audience would be told that Zip was the missing link, uh, the missing link, and would only eat raw meat and nuts. Over the years, however, this element of the act was toned down considerably. So it's changing attitudes and things like that. Yeah, even yeah. then, is uh... so Zip became uh, Barnum's biggest and most popular acts. Both men made a substantial sum of money. Though Zip wasn't too smart, his fellow performers looked after him and ensured he was never taken advantage of. Oh, that's that's nice. In all, Zip performed for 67 years. Whoa. And was a showbiz legend and died in 1926 at the age of 83. He had a good innings, didn't he? He did. I love this this next bit, though. Doctors both then and now concur that William was probably not microphilatic, nor was his mental capacity reduced as much as one believed. Maybe, believed. maybe he was just playing dumb. That's it. If you got a smaller head though, are you going to have... Sometimes you play the part that you expected to play. That's it. For all you know, he's at night, he's there trying to better himself, who knows. Yeah. Shall I do the bearded lady? Go for it. That sounded dodgy. (laughs) (laughs) Bagsy sloppy seconds. (laughs) Madame Clophilia, the bearded lady of Geneva. Wow. Soon after Josephine Bosch-Dragen, I think that's right, was born in Switzerland in 1829, her parents started to worry. She was unnaturally hairy and the problem only got worse. According to some accounts, she had a two-inch beard by the age of eight. Aww. Wow. Doctors are puzzled and her parents distraught. So they sent her off to boarding school. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking send her off. (laughs) She was tormented. She's learned to behave like a society lady, so they're like, alright, she's got the beard, but at least she knows how to act like a lady. She might still seem that snag her husband yet, who knows, with her manners. Hey, love the beard. <laughs> hey, bridesmaid, love the beard. Gives me something to hang on to. Woof. <laughs> Woof. In the words of Lord Flashart. When she graduated at the age of 14, she decided to make the most of her looks and with her father as her agent, Josephine toured Europe. And while performing in Paris, she met her husband, an artist called Fortune. Or is it because he's French, is it Fortune? Like, I'm an artist, I'm Fortune. Your name's Frank. <laughs> Fortune, darling. Uh, they had a son, Albert, who was just as hairy as his mother had been as an infant. All three of them, as well as Josephine's father, moved to America in 1853, and there they met with P.T. Barnum. He invited the family to appear in his American museum in New York. Josephine was promoted as the Bearded Lady of Geneva. <laughs> and they dressed her like a classic European aristocratic lady, and she even fashioned her beard in the style of Napoleon III. <laughs> uh, a few weeks after Josephine's first appearance, a man took Barnum to court. He claimed his bearded lady was really a man. Uh, doctors quickly confirmed that this was not the case, but the publicity generated by the case made Barnum's more popu- museum more popular than ever. And there is a possibility that he may have actually arranged that trial to get a cheap publicity stunt. Oh, right, so it might have been a man after all. No, no, it causes controversy. So people are like, what, well, I'm going to go and see the bearded uh, lady at Barnum's American Museum. Oh, I see, yeah. They're saying it's a fake, but they've been to court and. Yeah. Just go and see for yourself. Come see for yourself. Do you, you agree with the judge? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's people at the door, doesn't it? So popularity lasted a few more years, though after the 1850s, her fate is unknown. Mm-hmm. She may have made enough and retired, who knows? Done a run of all them European dresses and got off to live her life as Napoleon the Third. Uh-huh. Shaved. And then yeah. they all recognised her. <laughs> I had it in my head that she killed Napoleon the Third and just disguised herself as him. Using your facial hair. The Fiji mermaid? The Fiji mermaid. 
Right, P.T. Barnum was famously bold in his efforts to part the American public with their money. And the so-called Fiji Mermaid is a great example of this. While the modern observer would see it for what it was, an obvious fake, Barnum was convinced he could make money out of this half-human, half-fish. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, with the public fascinated by mermaids, crowds flock to see the curiosity for themselves. Is there a picture of this? So, yeah, a picture that's... Uh I like it. The neck doesn't look realistic at all. Do you take your kids to see it? Yeah. <laughs> mm. so Back in the day, yeah. Fossilised half human, half fish. Yeah. It's it's not. It's It was produced in Japan mm-hmm. in the early 19th century. What they used to do is used to sew two different animals together. So it's the head and the torso of a monkey stitched with the back end of a fish. And that was a Japanese fashion at the time, was it? Apparently. Wow. Something they did. What? For fun? Like, that's <laughs> yeah! That's <laughs> Must have been for fun, I don't know. For the crack. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know what? I've always fancied, I've always wanted to see what a monkey and a fish look like together. Monkey fish. Monkey fish. Obviously, P.T. Barnum said it was the missing link between man and fish. Because <laughs> <laughs> if that's how fucking evolution works. <laughs> yeah, but your average punter doesn't know that. I know. <laughs> oh, we know how stupid the average punter is. Mm. So you showed that fossilised thing? Yeah. Oh, you could make money off anything back then, couldn't you? You certainly could. But I suppose they didn't have much entertainment, did they? Well, that's it. Did you go, you no, got, they used to get to seances, didn't they? Mm. That was a big thing back then. Yeah. They took a public execution in the 1860s, haven't they? Probably. Yeah. And you had a civil war going on from 63 to 67. Mm. My God, the flat's creaking. It's the fucking heating. I don't know what's coming on. Shouldn't be. Thought you'd been doing. You said seances, and all of a sudden stuff starts to creep. <laughs> what have you been doing when we're not here? <laughs> Move on to Fanny Mills. Fanny Mills. The Ohio Bigfoot girl. Those are some seriously big ass feet. Oh they're yeah. They're huge, aren't they? They are. They're massive. She's like normal all the way down to her knees, isn't it? I, yeah. 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 Always look pretty normal as well. Don't yeah. They? Yeah, and then from her knees and her, her knees out and her knee itself, they're, they're like Hulk feet. Hulk feet. Yeah, or Shrek. Shrek as well, they look a bit like Shrek feet. I mean, I guess, you know, there's a picture there of comparison of a lady's boot, normal lady's boot at the time. It's like you're looking at. She's got to be like a size 38, <laughs> feet wise. Well, it does say uh, what she had to use as shoes. Okay. She's so, got, she got cankles as well. Yeah, it's they are very swollen, and I'm surprised they haven't split, to be honest. Yeah. So, as a girl, Fanny Mills' feet started to grow and grow and grow. Though she was a... Diminutive. Diminutive 115 pounds, her feet stretched 19 inches long and 7 inches wide. She wore pillowcases as socks and the skin of her three goats <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Fuck me. They kill three goats to make her shoes and you're losing two pillowcases. Fucking hell. So by 1885, Mills began to wonder if she could profit from her uncomfortable condition. With help from a friend named Mary Brown, Mills set out to the East Coast in the hopes of putting herself on display. Showman eagerly accepted her offer and billed her as Ohio Bigfoot Girl since Mills had grown up in Sandusky in Ohio. To curious crowd, Showman described Franny Mills as having the biggest feet on earth. One circus advertisement even boasted the old woman that lived in the shoe would have rented out apartments if she had uh, resided in one of Miss Mills. (laughs) (laughs) circus promoters also drew audiences by claiming that miss mills's father would pay any man to marry her five grand that's just a publicity stunt though isn't it is it however miss mills father was in fact deceased and mills had married mary brown's brother william in 1886 
Because someone's already married. There's a bit of publicity in it. Yeah. You know, this is uh, good for her. She found love. $150 a week, which is about $4,000 today. Yeah. So then we, the, it was earning the, in the massive books $450 a week. Someone's earning that, so that's. Christ, you're looking at about seven or eight grand in today's money a week. Twelve. Whatever. Four fifty is three times one fifty, isn't it? Yeah, alright then, okay, yeah. Twelve grand a week. <clears throat> My maths has been exposed. Mm. And, the, and her condition was found out to be Milroy's disease. I, should, I think that's where you, you get in a lot of excess liquid and it, it mm. grows really big, doesn't it? It does, sadly, um, the condition kind of killed her in it, age 39, health problems. It's a shame, yeah. Might be the restriction of like blood flow, won't it, and all sorts? Yeah, it's more pressure on the arteries, isn't it? The like, biggest arteries run through your legs. And, yeah, the infection. Because mm -hmm. you've got less feeling, haven't you? Yeah, it's a shame. Okay, let's move on to our next one then. Charles Sherman Stratton, General Tom Thumb to you, peasants. <laughs> Although Charles Sherwood Stratton was an otherwise healthy child, he stopped growing at six months when he was only two feet tall. <sighs> Soon P.T. Barnum caught wind of the extraordinary child whose parents had taught him how to sing, dance and impersonate celebrities. Oh, he God, he'd be on the X Factor, wouldn't he, if it was modern day? They were gearing him up, wouldn't they? Yeah, he, they'd definitely been on, on Britain's Got Talent. Mm. You know for a fact. Which, let's face it, aren't those shows just the evolution of this? A little bit, yeah. Because it's always, in them programmes, they always put the people who are really terrible, don't they? Yeah. The people laugh at, that everyone can laugh at. Yeah. I think some of them are staged as well, aren't they? Do you think? I think some of them must be, but I or think... Or they, they tell them to overact it, or... Yeah, no, I, I just think they pick... Because you, you do get some very eccentric people that want to be on them shows. Mm -hmm. And I just think they just... They pick out the best talented, or the worst, or the most embarrassing. Yeah. And everyone's sort of, like, in between the middle. Yeah. They don't bother with, do they? No. Yeah, if you're just middling... It's not, it's, it's, yeah, you were right. What are you going to say? You're either, wow, that was amazing, or my God, that was the weirdest piece of shit I've ever seen on TV. That's yeah. what they want. You see, and then you get people deliberately being as weird as possible. Like, hey, I can remove the, I can squeeze a cucumber out of my anus. <laughs> like, on demand. I've always got one up there. Have you? <laughs> not me personally, hypothetically. And they'll go, wow, that's the weirdest shit I ever put him on. Yeah, it's got to be family friendly, hasn't yeah. it? Oh, right. No, I've been men shooting out cucumbers live on TV, then. For Britain's Got Talent that was, would go in front of the Queen. <laughs> the Queen would love that. Yeah, I think I would. <laughs> so he offered to pay Stratton $3 a week to be displayed in his already popular freak show, which was an offer his parents couldn't refuse. Three dollars. When was this? Let's go back a second. What year was this? Did it say? I was say they're getting ripped off. Yeah. Or is it just because he's a? Uh... Oh, well, I'm sure it'll tell us at some point. All right. So uh, three dollars a week. And maybe it's because he's only like two years old. <laughs> After a performance for Queen Victoria, Stratton became an instant celebrity, and he toured in Barnum Circus for three years, encountering mobs of fans wherever he went. Uh, his appearance has made him wealthy, but he didn't retire, continuing to tour into adulthood. So, yeah, he's literally two. I told you, it's like Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> <laughs> he did in a performance with the Queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd have probably won Britain's Got Talent. But eventually, he and his wife settled in Massachusetts, where he ultimately died at the age of 45. But more than 10,000 people attended his funeral. And all wow, he may have been small... It left a big impression on people. Oh, that's a sentimental. <laughs> it's a sentimental pun, in a way. Yeah. All those years, though, the cause of the dwarfism that made him so famous and beloved does remain a mystery. Because I mean, he was two foot. He was, you know, how tall was he? Looking two years old, three foot. No, I think he was two foot tall. Wasn't he? Two foot tall at three, and then he just stopped growing. Yeah, so going at six months when he was two feet tall. That's quite, isn't that quite big for a 
six-month-year-old baby being two foot tall. <laughs> well, maybe he had all his growth spurt in the first six months. That's what I was thinking. And it stopped. Yeah, maybe. Either way, hey, he, was a, he made a fucking go of it. Jack um, Earl, the world's tallest man. From the world's shortest man to the world's tallest man. Oh, he's got some legs on him, hasn't he? Yes. Has. Standing six feet tall before the age of ten. Well. And growing to over seven feet tall by the age of thirteen, Jack Earl was always a giant. There are conflicting reports to his true height, but numbers range from seven foot seven inches to eight foot six. Wow. He'd been a Hollywood actor, appeared in films like Hansel and Gretel and Jack and the Beanstalk. I wonder what he played in Jack and the Beanstalk. (laughs) (laughs) The Beanstalk. (laughs) (laughs) The giant. Fucking hell, yeah. Any role you need a giant for, get this boy in. Yeah. Before a fall from scaffolding led to major injuries and temporary blindness, causing his retirement from the movie industry. Soon after his accident, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum <coughs> and Bailey's Circus Freak Show came through town with Jim Tarver as their current travelling giant. Earl was considerably taller than Tarver. They were like, get the fuck out of here. You're out of here, sure. Tarver. I am considerably sure taller than you. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're out of here. Mm. Pack your bags and go, Tarver. And they gave Earl a one year contract with the circus instead. Until we find somebody else. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're, we need a tall man, you're it, until you're dead or we find someone better. Uh, he spent 14 years with the sideshow. Yeah. Uh. He's got to sit around and then stand around when people are looking at him and say hello, and he? After retiring, Earl, who suffered from acromag- acro- oh, fuck me. acromegalic gigantism. Well done. Went on to fu- become a travelling salesman for the Roma Wine Company. He died of kidney failure in 1952, age of 46. He was a, he was a wine salesman. And Door-to-door wine salesman. Oh, the giant. giant! The the giant selling the wine is at my door again. You'd open the door, you'd just open his chest. Yeah. Wouldn't you? He died of kidney failure. Johnny <laughs> Green I Giant. Think, I think he was uh, drinking the wine, wasn't he? <laughs> That gigantism is like Andre the Giant. It's the pituitary gland. It's overactive, so they just keep growing, but their organs can't take the yeah, take the size of the body. As the Big Show had the same thing. He had his his snipped, so he stopped growing. He's still like six foot seven though, and massive. But yeah, it's it's quite sad. Andre didn't want his done. He could have had it done. He didn't want it. I love this. He's a bit of a general giant, and he started his career in this long it's alongside two foot tall major might. It was the circus midget, and the basically the midget said, "Look, there's more freaks in the audience than there were on the platform, mate." Ah. They stick him next to a midget, make him look even taller. That's fantastic. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it's all about performance. Yeah. It's all about the show, isn't it? Yeah. Grady Styles, the Lobster Boy. Claire. Okay. Grady Styles Jr. was the fourth generation of the Styles family members born with. Uh, it's ectrodactyly. I'm glad you cleared that up for me, which is a family trait going back to the 1840s, which caused their fingers and toes to fuse into claws. Well, they look like claws, don't they? In fact, he was incredibly dexterous with those things to the point where he could shoot somebody. Uh-huh. Yeah, look at his feet as well. His feet look like almost he's got like got club foot and twisted backwards, doesn't he? Yeah. He used to walk on his hands. Did he? Mm-hmm. So Grady's father was already part of a freak show with the travelling carnival, so Grady forming as early as the lobster boy. As an adult, Styles and his two uh, youngest children performed as uh, the lobster family. <laughs> He had, he had another kid who didn't have the condition and she was like his golden child. Right. But the other two, as soon as they, one had the... Oh, they're just the freaks. They're just, well, come on, you're with me, you're making harsh, money. You're making money, come on. Yeah. But he was an abusive alcoholic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. who beat his wife. So this was no happy family. On the eve of his oldest daughter's wedding in 1978, he shot and killed her husband-to-be... An 18-year-old kid who Grady disliked because he called him a freak. 
should imagine people all, all over the times have called him a freak, haven't but, they? But this is 1978. He's still performing in this role. He's still going round with the travelling circus. Wow. Yeah, 1978. Yeah. I didn't think he ran that long. I thought it would have stopped before the Second World War or something. Yeah. Well, he might. Well, he wouldn't have had to go to war, would he? No, no, he'd have been kind of until he could shoot a gun. To be fair. Yeah. Brady confessed saying the kid had attacked him and was convicted of third degree murder. The trial was quick and included witness testimonies from the carnival fat lady and the bearded woman. <laughs> Who forgot on the stands there? <laughs> Who are you calling your first witness? It's the carnival fat lady and after her is the bearded lady. They're going to be character references for Mr Grady. <laughs> oh, you couldn't write it, could you? No. Because no institution was equipped to deal with his condition, um, however, he was sentenced to house arrest and uh, 15 years probation. Oh dear. Yeah. So in 1992, Styles' wife Mary and her son uh, Harry Glenn Newman, the human blockhead, hired uh-huh. sideshow performances, Christopher, is it Wyant? Wyant. Yeah. To kill Styles for $1,500. Wyant shot the 55-year-old man multiple times in the back of the head while he was watching TV in his trailer. Jesus, executed him. God. Yeah. Styles was so disliked that only 10 people came to his funeral. Oh yeah, he still didn't deserve execution. No. God. Unless that was the law, uh, if he would have gone, he'd kill a man, I suppose. He killed a man and he nearly killed another one he'd mm. left out in his tail because this is just a brief bio. He claimed that he'd got better, he'd stopped drinking and he'd turned his life around and he was working again, running the show. And his wife had remarried yeah. and she came with a husband who was quite a frail chap and Grady basically punched him so hard the guy was never the same again. And she ended up actually leaving that guy to go back to him because mm. of the emotional hold. He was a very manipulative, evil man. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, not a nice guy, but no one deserves to go out being executed like that, I guess. And he, he'd already got away with prison for killing somebody, hadn't he? Just because oh, no one can accommodate my condition. Yeah. Uh, his son, though, Gravy Styles III, he was born with the same condition and he still works as a sideshow performer today. Today? Still working today. Wang the Human Unicorn. Wang, the human unicorn, never actually performed in the freak show. He was found in Manchuria, China, by an ambitious banker who snapped a photo in 1930 of a 13-inch horn growing from the back of his head. The photo was sent to Robert Ripley, who offered money to exhibit Wang in his auditorium. Wang, however, was never heard from again. Oh, you man, he missed out on a fortune. It looks like a fucking devil horn, doesn't it? It does. If you had two of them, I'd <laughs> be worried. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like a nail, the way that it's sort of grown, doesn't mm. it? Okay, Isaac Prague, the living skeleton. Sprague, not Prague. <laughs> was born in 1841. He had a completely normal childhood until his inexplicably began losing weight at the age of 12. He became a circus freak in 1865, performing as the sideshow as the living skeleton or the original thin man. Burnham hired him and to perform um, his at his American museum. After the building burned down, Sprague toured the country with the bearded lady, I'm assuming, <laughs> and uh, the fat lady and yeah, the rich man and. Uh, he died in Chicago of asphyxia in 1887, weighing only 43 wow. pounds. There's nothing to him. No. I mean, a breeze could knock him over, couldn't it? Yeah, but his head's weirdly okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the rest of him? He looks like something out of a Tim Burton film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like someone's like really got a really malnourished body, cut the head off, stuck a healthy head onto yeah. it. Yeah. It doesn't look normal, does it? It looks like someone had to have doctored it. Yeah, because look, look at his face. He's, he's not gaunt in the face, is he? No. I think he's got some sort of muscle wastage around the arms. Definitely. Some sort of disorder, you know, because if his face just doesn't... it doesn't look, His face doesn't look too drawn in, so it's not like he looks super skinny and... It's got to be muscle muscle dysphoria, is it? 
it's a disease like I'm having now. It's got to be a muscle disease because yeah. he hasn't got any muscle around his, his thighs either. They just, you know, his knees look bigger than his thighs, don't they? So about yeah. four to take him down. Mm. Oh, we no good in rugby, would he? No. <laughs> I think that would be slightly cruel to put him in a rugby match, but no, he wouldn't be very good. No, they wouldn't want him a scrum half. Let's put it that way. Wouldn't want him anywhere near the scrum. <laughs> no, he'd die horribly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the most famous. Yep, Joseph Merrick, the Elephant Man. The Elephant Man, of course. Have you seen the film, by any chance? No. I have. I have, yeah. It's quite sad, isn't it? It's very sad. It's a very sad tale. Yeah. Actually, because he was a really nice guy who only wanted the best trade. He basically started to grow a trunk on his face. With his trunk-like facial growth, curved spine, and enormous misshapen skull, the Elephant Man was the main attraction at London sideshows. The star of the so-called freak show was popular in the Victorian period. While most people paraded on stage uh, as part of the shows had a tragic story of disability, abandonment and homelessness, Merrick's tale is not the most upsetting at all. From a young age, Merrick had developed scoliosis, skull bone outgrowth and with skin protruding from his face and an overgrown right arm. He became known as the Elephant Man due to the main sort of thing on his face. His facial deformities led people to see him as a monster and a threat to society, but the opposite was actually true. He was said to be a kind and gentle man trying to survive in a society that didn't care for him, aside from the few that tried to help him. Yeah, quite sad, yeah. Mm. And Emeric died 129 years ago, and uh, today there's a new reason to remember him, the discovery last month of his grave. Now remember his skeleton was taken. They kept his skeleton. Who did? When he died, yeah. they found him because he couldn't sleep lying down because mm. he'd have choked. He'd have, basically, the weight on his back would have forced him to choke. Right. So he couldn't sleep lying down. He had to sleep sitting up with his head back. And when they found him, his head had flopped forward. So uh -huh. they never quite figured out whether it was an accident or maybe he'd just chosen to go out. Uh -huh. That was the thing. Shitter. But they found, maybe because they basically took his skeleton, they would have buried the rest. And they found it in a, like a pauper's yard where Jack the Ripper's victims were buried. Mm. But the, the skeleton went into the British Museum for a long time. It kept locked in the back. And then I think Michael Jackson bought it. He's got it. What's Michael Jackson got the elephant man Well, he did have. He did have. Well, he, he bought it. Dunno. I mean, he, He's a weird fucker. He was a weird fucker. Less said about him, the better. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I talked with someone once and wrote an entire university thesis on why MJ was innocent. Really? Yeah. I still think he was dodgy as fuck and he should have known better. Yeah. Yeah, he's dodgy, isn't it? At the very least, if nothing ever, briefly, because it'll be a future episode, mm. if nothing else... Christmas one, probably. Possibly the Christmas <laughs> one. If nothing else, don't set yourself up to be accused of anything like that. Yeah. No. You should not be unsupervised with young boys as an adult. And sleeping in the same bed yeah, as them when they're not your relation. Yeah, people you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but having childhood friends when you're a 40 year old man yeah. is a bit weird. So don't put yourself in that situation. But yes, anyway, that is the end of, of the. And the last one's the most tragic of the lot, probably, actually. Yeah. He had a bit of everybody's, uh, you know, he had a bit of the fat lady's arm and he had, you know. I mean, it's. Uh, the trunk. Get everything, yeah, it? and with Victorian England, my God, you know, it wasn't a place that was going to help someone like him, was no. it? It's only the fact that the doctors found him. That's why it's important to have as much uh, as an inclusive society as possible, so these people are able to fit in and, and live normal lives. There are people with this condition now, not as bad as obviously uh, Merrick, who was like. They still no one's ever had it as bad as him, but there's people with a with the facial disfigurement, and yeah, I mean, I guess they have to try and fit into society as best they can, go and work if they're able, and that it's it's just teaching people to be more inclusive. You are right. I mean, I don't think he'd want to go and work in a freak show today. But back in the 1850s, ironically, it's probably the best place for them. Sad as it is, but well. that's the thing. I mean, barring Merrick, I mean, you have the Barnum and the American side of things. 
or Barnums especially, they made a lot of money, didn't they? They were well looked after because you need them to perform, you've got to keep them healthy. Yeah. They're getting paid well, most of them, aren't they? Oh, 12,000 a week that one was yeah. taking home, the others were taking like a grand. I mean, it's just really, I mean, you know, you do a bit of an act. See, it's you got to make the most of what you got. That's mm. it. Yeah, good place to end on, doing some fucked up facts. Yeah, go for yeah. it. Alright then, let's end the show on some fucked up facts. Jingle please. Facts, facts, fucked up facts, 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 Medieval surgeons use spider webs to close wounds. I've heard that, yeah. It was the old poultice that I met with, the, you know, French bloke who ate everything. He was eating the poultices. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spider webs, marsh, shit like that. It's really strong, really strong stuff. Spider webs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and they always on about making bulletproof vests out of like some kind of spider silk. I don't know, I haven't seen that, but it's, I know it's strong stuff. Doesn't stand up to the Uber though. <laughs> Little bastards. You suck up the hoover? Yep. Nothing to eat in there. Suffer not the spider to live, Claire. Nah, I like spiders. Right. It's a home invader. Well, I don't mind the high spiders up here. Kill them, kill them with fire. Purge them. Sorry. How do you, how do you feel about foxes? Foxes are lovely. Yeah. Until, until they do attack the odd baby. Do they? Yeah, they've been known to. Lovely. Yeah, I got in through a window, like on the ground floor. They're hungry enough, they can get in mm. into the baby's room. Someone did find a a baby, like they came into the room, the baby was crying, and the fox had its jaw around the baby's face, and then obviously the fox ran as soon as the person oh. came in the room, got out the window. Yeah, it has been known. Why? Sly fox? Apparently, London foxes appear to be domesticating themselves. People feed them, don't they? Mm. I do. I saw a fox walking in plain sight last time I was in London. Yeah. Yeah. It was the evening, like, it just, you know, didn't mind us. It looked, looked at me, like, but then realised there was no threat and just kept on digging through the rubbish. Urban foxes. Urban foxes. Crack foxes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to run through town with a pack of urban foxes screeching at night. Yeah, he's still. <laughs> Just gone feral for a night, running round, tipping bins over. You want to eat out of bins? No, I'll eat before I go out, I'll just tip them <laughs> over. <laughs> Unless some pissheads fall asleep with a fucking pizza or something, that's okay, it's like in a bin. <laughs> just take it off them. You can have rob homeless guys. <laughs> no, just pissheads. Just pissheads. Japanese parents have recently started commissioning bags of rice that weigh the same as their newborn children so that their relatives who are unable to visit them during the, well, was during the pandemic could have the experience of hugging the baby. Well, the same though is a bag of rice. <laughs> they commissioned a bag of rice? What the fuck? I'd like your finest uh, eight pounds, six ounces of rice, please, in a baby-shaped bag. I'm assuming they're going to sew it into a nice little, like, colourful bag and then send it to the in-laws. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the same, though, is it? No. And you know at some point you're going to have to slit that bag open and get the rice out. Why don't they just, you know, a replica reborn doll of, of your, your baby and send that to you? I guess the rice is cheaper. Yeah, a lot cheaper, but a reborn doll, you've got it forever. Yeah, but they're creepy, aren't they? They are a bit creepy. Yeah. People who put them up on a craft site that I'm into mm. on Facebook get loads of abuse. They're like, it looks like a dead baby! They do, they're like, <laughs> So now their posts always start with, I, I make these, these are art for me, I like them. If you haven't got anything nice to say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well cut through on this uh, creative art and craft site. That <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a bit fucking gang warfare. Has anyone ever been shot on it? <laughs> <laughs> They are creepy as fuck, though. Yeah. My mum wanted to start making them with a friend, and I'm like, you're not keeping them in the house. When I lived at home, I was like, you are not keeping them in the house. If you think I'm coming in in the morning, like, 
half cut or from work, two in the morning, putting the light on and being greeted by fucking six babbies sat on the back of the sofa, no thank you. <laughs> Creepy little bastards. <laughs> Before you know it, I'm gonna stab me in my sleep. You are more likely to get a virus from a religious website than a porn website. Yeah. <laughs> Probably because the church are too tight to, too, too uh, cheap to fucking get a decent, uh, some decent software, aren't they? Mm -hmm. yeah, they need cool. private jets, not internet security. Most animals prefer to work for their food rather than freeload. Cats are the only known exception. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Max thinks he does. <laughs> This barks randomly at someone walking over the other side of the road from the yeah. window. Just gets Dummy job. Seat. Dummy job. There we go. Look at me. <laughs> Billy Big Balls barked at that guy. He didn't come in, did he? Feed me. Mm. Speaking of food, musician Will I Am mm -hmm. doesn't chew food on Mondays. What does he do then? <laughs> does he just eat mash or something? <laughs> Soup? Soup, I guess. He doesn't chew food on a Monday. Why limit yourself? Yeah. Maybe it's, it's probably some sort of fad diet thing. I mean, I do the, the no meat Monday. Yeah. No chew Monday. No chew Monday is ridiculous. Who's benefiting from that? What he's giving his teeth a break? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Give <laughs> his jaw a day off. Yeah, why not? I, I have no idea, this is mad. It's probably some like fad thing. Yeah, some sort of liquid food one. Yeah, liquid food once a week. Clear, clear your out yet. Yeah, <laughs> detox, clear yourself through. Research shows that most people, mm -hmm. without consciously noticing it, sniff their hands after shaking hands with someone they've just met. Tingling. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> I don't think I've ever noticed myself doing that. Uh, I'm going to be conscious of it now, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watch it as the person. Next person I meet for the first time and shake hands with. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on if they're sniffing their hands. Yeah. Makes sense on a primal level, doesn't it, I suppose? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sent from that new tribe. Was you going to stab him to the neck with your flint spear or not, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> The small village of Villar de Cornea, Spain, celebrates the new year at noon instead of midnight. Does that have to do with the alcohol laws? No, many of the residents are elderly and want to go to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> they can all get pissed up in the afternoon instead. I like it. After John Coltrane died in 1967, a small sect was found in San Francisco called the Yardbird Temple, which worshipped him as a god and Charlie Parker <laughs> as the equivalent to John the Baptist. <laughs> You're talking about the famous blues player, yeah. Coltrane. Well... I'll finish on this one. In 1847, a woman was sent to Aberdeen L Lunatic Asylum for, quote, abuse of tea. Abuse of tea the drink? Yeah. I don't know how... I, I, unless she's, or she's throwing... She's pouring it straight into her arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Or throwing it in people's faces. Uh, who's to say? That's an odd one. <laughs> Makes you want to know more. Yeah. You have to look into that. And well, um, I am going to look into that. Right. Well, thank you very much for listening then. I've been Ben, don't drink the favourite and don't join a cult. And you can follow us on Facebook, going to the board in the PTA. We're on SoundCloud, the same name, Spotify and uh, YouTube. We are Pocket's Ball. Pocket's Ball. And we're on most places you can get a podcast. Just look for going to the board in the PTA. Thank you very much. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears, guys.